Welcome to the Third Eye Wellness Podcast. My name is Nia Carrillo, a holistic nutritionist and energy worker based in San Diego, California. I'm sharing all my best tips and strategies for those wanting to connect deeper to their body and soul. Each week, you'll hear musings from me and guest experts in their field, as well as actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life now so you can live a more conscious lifestyle. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Third Eye Wellness Podcast. And my name's Nia, I'm your host. And welcome back or welcome to this show if it's your first time here. Today is an episode that I'm really excited for. I'm actually surprised that I've not done an entire episode on this topic uh, because this is something that I talk about quite often with my clients and I share a lot about Um, on social media platforms like TikTok and Instagram and was uh, this topic, if you will, was a huge catalyst to me understanding my emotions and their connection to the symptoms that I had in my body. So what we'll be talking about today is the emotional root of your common symptoms. There, um, is this quote by Gabor Mate. I'm a huge fan of him. I'm in a program, so if I quote him a lot, that's why. Um, But he says that you can tell a lot about someone by properly interpreting their symptoms. And you can tell a lot about their life and what their body is showing you. And if you understand their life, vice versa, you can understand their symptoms. And I could not agree more with that sentiment because this is how I, I guess, made this shift from being just a uh, typical holistic nutritionist to really embodying spiritual wisdom in my practice with clients, especially, and with myself, um, and going into this very mind body psychosomatic like area of healing because I've always had as long as like I've been working on my health I've always had some like spiritual or wellness ritual with my emotions and well-being but they were these two separate entities in my life and I knew like yeah if I meditate and like take care of myself like I'm gonna feel better but I didn't understand like oh that particular emotion and that symptom is giving me feedback and I should act accordingly. And how would I know that? How would you know that? Because these are not conversations that we have with our healthcare providers, certainly not conversations um, that you're having with your family and things of uh, like our health classes that we had in middle school and elementary school and so forth. They were very cut and dry and old school and very out of touch with the whole body being this emotional and physical and spiritual entity. So it's impossible, I think, unless you had very uh, hippie or conscious parents that did teach you those things. And um, chances are that you, maybe this podcast is not for you because you learned all this stuff when you were younger. But anyways, so 
I remember um, there was this point, I think I was around, uh, so I'm a 32 now. I guess it doesn't really matter. It was probably five to seven. It was probably seven years ago, honestly, around 25. This is when I made my switch from corporate America into just following my heart's little desires and big desires too. I was so depressed and it's one of the, it was one of those bouts of depression where you're so low and just bogged down by life that you don't even know you're depressed until you start making changes and inching your way out of it to just feel a little bit better. You realize like how much of a hole you had previously felt in. I always say this to clients, like sometimes you don't know you're depressed until you're not depressed. <laughs> um, so it was one of those times. And I don't think I ever truly experienced experienced depression before. I actually had a, this huge fear of it because I grew up with a parent who had bipolar disorder. And so it was just this like chaotic thing to uh, feel big emotions because I had that example of a very extreme example of someone being up and down in their emotions. So I just tried to keep it all together until I landed in corporate America Um I had other jobs uh, previously out of college and things of that nature, but this job was just not the right fit. And it was a very toxic culture. And it was one of my first experiences where like a job expects you to like make the job your identity and life. And they literally paid me $34,000 a year in California. Um, I was poor, essentially. I think that's considered like, poor here, um, like the poverty line, I had no money. Like I lived off credit cards and at the end of like my paycheck, I had like maybe a hundred dollars like to take care of like things beyond like my, my ne basic, basic needs. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean that in, in itself is going to cause depression and a low vibration, if you will, in your body because you're stressed out and you're literally in survival mode. But I didn't have these tools in 2016 because the landscape of the world was not having these conversations, let alone like like social media was just a different vibe. Like people weren't that open, you know, like how TikTok has really changed things. And I think all of us going through the trauma and like shock of the pandemic, uh, a lot of like big topics came to light. Um, like one thing I can think of too is like, uh, like the racism that is still very real in this country. And like, we just were trying to like ignore it, you know? So I, yeah, I, I, these tools were not accessible to me, but something still dawned on me that something's not right. And I remember at this time I had just experimented like, like counting macros. And I'm bringing this up because this was like a way when I felt so truly out of control in my own life that the way I wanted to gain control was with food. Now I had already lost like a significant amount of weight. I've maintained my weight loss, but I was just never, ever happy with my body. Like I thought I was always 90% complete and I just had to find the right thing to get me where I was. And so I experimented with tracking my macros. I hired a macro 
coach. Um, and she gave me a plan. And so I had this illusion of control, right? And I remember taking, well, having my husband at the time, I think we might've been engaged, maybe not yet then, but he took these before and after pictures and just like feeling so like disgusted by myself. And I had this kind of like light bulb moment, I think a couple days after that, because a lot of things panned out for me, just like feeling the feelings of like this horrible job, feeling so disappointed with my body when it, it was sad that I felt that way because my body had gone through so much physically, emotionally, like I, I wish I had had gratitude, but I, I couldn't access that then. And I think maybe a couple of days later, maybe it was a month, weeks, I have no idea, but it was around the age 25. And I sat there and I thought, I don't think it has anything to do with my body. Like if I still feel this heavy and I am literally 80, almost a hundred pounds lighter, I'm 85 pounds lighter than I was then. And I still feel the same way. It was like, ding, ding, ding. This has nothing to do with your body, Nia. And that just kind of, I think, built up this like series of decisions that I made in my life from that point on. And I quit my job. (laughs) I think it was probably like six or seven months later, I quit. I had no plan. I thought that I would just get a corporate job and like everything would be fine. Sometime in between that six months, I decided to enroll in grad school and finally go back to get my master's in nutrition, which was a decision that I honestly wanted to do towards the last month of me receiving my bachelor's. But you know, it was like, uh, I'm literally graduating next month. Like I just got to follow through with this and I'll figure it out when I can. So I quit. And then I really started to embark on this like spiritual, I want to just say healing journey. Um, I went to therapy, actually a very amazing therapist who I was very attuned with. So that's why that form of therapy worked with me. Like I felt very, very connected. She was um, very connected to God and faith in that way. It wasn't religious per se. We use the word God a lot in her um, container. And so it really resonated. And um, she helped me transition into this more heart-centered lifestyle, which here I am seven years later with a business where I preach and practice these very things that helped me um, heal. Now, fast forward to, uh, let's say, a year and a half ago, so around February, when I was just so sick of like dealing with this IBS diagnosis that I had had all my life. Like, I'm telling you, I remember no part in my life where I wasn't constipated or bloated or struggling with it. Like, I can go back to four years old, just remembering like, oh, I feel so sick because I ate that cheese. Like I just knew that it was so crazy to think when I, when I think back then, like how did I like just like have these little downloads essentially as a kid, which I lost touch with until I had this like spiritual awakening, if you will. And so I have always had these digestive issues and I started to practice and get into a lot of Ayurvedic practices. And I remember thinking like, oh, like it's not normal to not go to the bathroom every single day. And so 
18 months ago, beginning of 2022, last year, I was like, I'm sick of this. Like, I know there are emotional roots to this and I'm not hitting them. I'm not going there for some reason. And I'm I'm just tired of living like this. And that was when I reached out for support. And I got like the, the ball rolling, if you will, with a naturopathic doctor um, who really supported me and understanding things from a different lens. Um, and I remember like I got diagnosed with candida overgrowth, which is like a yeast overgrowth in your um, gut. And this causes a lot of symptoms that are inherently inflammatory. Like think of like yeast, like overgrowing in your body. Like it's going to affect a lot of things. So for me, I had horrible like dandruff. It almost looked like my scalp was sunburned and it would flake. It was so embarrassing. And I mean, at the very least, but also just like annoying. <laughs> um, I had a bloated belly. Like I've posted these pictures on social media where I am not even joking. I looked pregnant so I couldn't fit my wardrobe more than half the time. So it also turned into weight gain around my hips, my inner thighs, all over like my midsection, if you will, like that area that women tend to like carry fat. And um, this just like created a lot of emotional turmoil for me because here I was like this guide and helping other people create these wins, but like I couldn't be my own healer. I needed help. And so I remember thinking like the people I know that have had candida overgrowth, like they lived with it for years. Like I just, like it just felt like it was like a lifelong diagnosis because they could never get to the roots of it. And so I started to just really do my research, reach out to colleagues who were like doing the same things as I was and what worked for their clients, their experiences. And then I had this naturopathic doctor in my corner and I realized like candida wasn't the root. Like I should have been asking, why is my gut having this imbalance? Like what is so stressful? And this is when I really started to connect back to this idea that my emotions had a lot to do with this. So I just like went on like deep cobwebbed corners of the internet, like blog posts from probably like 20 years ago that I found on the internet. And I've come across a lot of books that I now use um, as reference for this because um, like your symptoms are telling us a story. And sometimes like I need like literature to support that, but a lot of it isn't very, very intuitive. Like it, it, it it's symbol symbolic, but like when I get into like the meat of this podcast and I promise you it's coming, you'll understand your body a little bit more. So I realized that candida had a lot to do with unworthiness. Like it kept pointing back like from these blogs and these books I was reading and just like, what does this symbolize? What do these symptoms mean? And it just kept pointing to unworthiness. And I was like, okay, well, so I got, I got to feel more worthy and this will heal itself. <laughs> it's not as simple as that, but like, I was like, okay, so this is the direction I have to go with. And at the time I was doing a lot of shadow work. I was literally in a group where the teacher would like trigger us in some sense. And then there was other women in the group and there just was a lot of things where we were confronting our shadow in real time in front of each other and integrating it. And so one of the things that was just 
in the way of my worthiness, if you will, creating a blockage was shame. And so this became like a huge, huge, huge point of healing for me last year is just allowing shame to be there. Whose shame is this? Is it mine? Is it my mother's? Is it my father's? They they didn't make the best decisions. And maybe I just was born with this. And then it became mine because I had all these other things going against me, like my weight. I had a lot of shame over my body. Um, I had a lot of shame being rejected and abandoned. All these core wounds just started to pop up. And I worked through those as they presented themselves to me in life, because there's, I can't say like, oh, I, I sat down and I just wrote about my shame. And then I did this exercise on this and I meditated because it wasn't as like clear as that. It was just life presented me circumstances and situations I found myself in where I had arguments with like my in-laws. I can think of times I confronted my shadow. I had situations in my marriage and arguments with my family members where this came up. And it wasn't like I planned for them. It was just, I had this intention and this exploration of my subconscious and then life reflected that back. And that's really how you, you do the work. So I went through this whole journey and I just couldn't unsee the connection, the emotional ties to our symptoms. And I, I can't move forward in my practice without seeing it that way. And I think it's truly, truly a disservice to go about our health journey and then at no point acknowledge uh, the emotional underpinnings. Pinnings. So in this episode, I'm going to go through just like really basic common symptoms that I see. And oftentimes just from like the, the literature I've read and books and blogs to the experiences I've had with clients where it's true and true, like from my experiences at least. And every time I share these with someone, whether it's a friend, new client, um, or just people on the internet who find my content interesting, they're just like, oh my God, like you're in my fucking head. So without further ado, I wanted to start this with inflammation because at a lot of the times when we're dealing with gut and hormonal imbalances, the root of it is inflammation. It's stress and that creates that inflammation in the body because of the connection of cortisol. And when there's an imbalance with the stress hormones, then we start to experience those symptoms like weight gain, skin issues, bloat, which is a huge one. So inflammation at the very minimum is going to be one of like a cause of a lot of your symptoms. And so I think this is just like something that will run across the board for everyone. But I want you to consider the redness and puffiness that would occur if like a bee stung you or you got bit by a bug. What that essentially is, it's a protection mechanism, right? So what that essentially is doing is all of our healing energy or a lot of it is sent to that area to get our bodies to rush that energy and healing there. It's the same practice that basically um, acupuncture is like they're putting these needles in these little points that follow like the meridians of the body and energy rushes there so that healing can occur. It's like getting us to be drawn to that area. So it's like a micro trauma, if you will. And the whole point of it is protection. 
And so the same goes for all your inflammatory symptoms. It is for protection. Inflammation is not inherently bad. It's how we heal. So if you are in a perpetual state where you are constantly inflamed, then your body's trying to heal. It's just stuck there and it's stuck in the like the height of it and it doesn't know how to continue on the process because something is imbalanced or off. And so when you have like weight gain is a really common one where we could say is an inflammatory response because weight gain is not the cause of your issues. It is also a symptom think of how weight packs on to the body. It becomes this protective shield from you and the outer world. When you have bloat, the same thing happens. Like this water essentially creates like a moat around your body. And so when we treat those things, like I see so many ads on social media where they're like, oh, I treated my bloat. And it's like, did you really though? Like we should be asking ourselves, why am I gaining weight? Why am I bloated? Why does this symptom keep popping up for me? Because it's not the cause, it's the effect. Okay. So keep that in mind, like puffiness, weight gain. It's like a, like I think of like, like a puffer fish reaction to something that your body or your spirit and or both perceives as a threat. And chances are there is a physical threat, like a toxin or a virus, but at the root of all illness and dis-ease, we can always find an emotion. And trauma at a young age, trauma could be your parents separating trauma could be you going through like really scary times at school or at home and just being alone in them you being bullied you feeling shame because of like religion or whatever it is that creates and breeds more disconnection and that creates stress in the body that breaks down your immune system and that just gives a breeding ground for all other viruses pathogens etc to take place okay so Emotion is always going to be the root at your illness and disease. I can give you a really great example of with my mold situation. And I've mentioned this in my episode where I give you a life update and how I healed from mold or am healing from mold. Mold is like what? It's like I'm outgrowing something or something is stagnant. It's dead. Like what mold grows on <laughs> is usually like things that like are dead in some sense or rotten or decaying. And so when I had mold in my brand new apartment of all places, then it was time for me to go. Like I was outgrowing that stage and that phase of my life in which I lived in that home. And I very quickly was able to creates a new place for me to live so spookily quick, especially in a market like San Diego. But it was like, ah, I could try to fix this and make this work, or I could just move along to the next phase. So start to think of the symbolism of what life in your body is showing you.
Now, the second like kind of way I want to take this in terms of symptoms is colon and digestive issues related to the colon. So I'm talking about symptoms um, in the colon that create loose stools where they're not formed. And so you're not digesting any of the nutrition in the food or constipation. You're not going every single day. And very early on in my journey, when I mentioned around 25, I did not know that you needed to go every single day and it needed to look well-formed and snake-like, like that just had never been my reality. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So if you're constipated, you're not going every day. So physically, the colon is where we finally absorb what we've eaten. So the colon is very, very highly porous. So it's like a dryer also too for the body. Like if you're dehydrated, it's going to be really hard for the body to basically, um, dry out the stool in that sense. And it'll feel really hard for you to go to the bathroom because it's like making things even more dry. And so you see that when you have like broken up stools. Um, But this is also the same for your experience. Remember symbolism. Okay. So we take them in like an experience by accepting them. Okay. And digesting the nutrition of the experience. Now, nutrition is anything that provides us sustenance. So the nutrition in your experience would be the lessons that we take from the the situation we found ourselves in, the experience of it. So what happens when we don't take them in, accept them, and digest them? Well, the process often gets interrupted and stopped up with that very first part, acceptance. Like, for example, I literally had a conversation with a client yesterday about shame. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about it. It was a very heady experience, very mental. And we could go into all the psychological components of shame, but she wasn't actually accepting it because she wasn't feeling it. And that part is like where like the head is snipped from the body and the mind separated from the gut and they're not being um, communicating in this bi-directional way that they're supposed to. That is the root of IBS, by the way. Like IBS is just a collection of symptoms, but it is rooted in trauma and it's that disconnect of the mind and gut. It's a disorder between them. And So when we dropped down into my client's body and we just let shame be there, like we didn't talk about shame. We didn't try to break it down why it was there. We just let it be there. And so we got really quiet and we just like almost as if it creeped in through a door. And what happened? She started to tear up. She started to feel the shame and that's how we start accepting it. And I've had so many experiences in my life as someone like a former IBS girly where I get constipated and then I realize like, oh fuck, like there's a lot going on in my life and I'm not even digesting the experience of it or I'm trying to ignore that really tough emotion that keeps coming up and I'm just so busy to deal with it. And then I start to get emotional and I cry and guess what? I go to the bathroom. (laughs) And it's happened so many times. So when you're constipated, you're stuck in the past. It's like you're so frozen with that shame, for example. Or if there's loose stools, there's an avoidance of it. It's like it just literally runs through you like, ah, I don't even want to look at it. Ah." (laughs) So those are giving us like how we're digesting 
our experiences, our emotions. And the colon is just like this beautiful uh, organ I like to think of as like what I can tell about how you digest information. So the medicine is going to lie in you finding a way to gain acceptance and move forward. There is a difference between whose fault it is, because I know sometimes like I've been in that position where I'm thinking to myself, well, if I let this go and I move forward, I'm excusing my father or whomever for hurting me. And I don't want to do that. So I'm going to plant a stake here and I'm going to stay stuck. But that's why they say forgiveness is for you and not the other person or that quote by Buddha where you're the one holding the coal, expecting the other person to get burned. So the acceptance is it's not about like whose fault it is, who's to blame. It's not saying you're responsible for hurting yourself, but it is saying that you accept responsibility to heal yourself because now you are an adult and you have the ability to access resources and tools that you once did not when you were a child. And that's the the pain, I guess, if you will, of becoming an adult and transitioning into responsibility on your healing journey. It takes courage to like step out of that wounded inner child and step into your inner parent. Those are two separate parts. We can't heal the inner child with just that wounded inner child. We need the inner adult to come forward and hold space for that wounded inner child because in some cases, which is this is a hard thing for me to accept in a piece of my journey where I'm at currently is like (laughs) mom and dad gave you all they could. And if they could have given you better, they would have. And the fact of the matter is that we have to move forward and like accept that you're not going to get what you needed then and but you can give it to yourself now. And I know it's so painful to hear that when you're like in total lack of acceptance, but that acceptance is what's going to help you move forward. And this is especially, especially true for those of you with colon issues. So the other thing too, is that when you're stuck or you're avoidant, this is self-rejection because you not being present is a form of self-rejection as you can't be here with your present feelings. So you are essentially recreating and becoming that same uh, pain that once like caught was caused by your parent or someone else who you felt rejected by, you're now doing it to yourself because it's familiar. And so the acceptance is new and it's scary, but the ego or the nervous system, whatever is going to choose the thing that's familiar. So to break yourself out of the pattern first comes with just acknowledging that it's there. And then this kind of like ripple effect, um, can show up in your life. But if you can't accept it, then you're just like always turning your head the other way. And then like, why can't I heal? Well, here's why. Okay. So moving forward, um, we're going to move into, um, some skin, um, specifically acne or dermatitis dermatitis. I'm just kind of categorizing into like things like eczema, skin flare ups, um, which can often show up in response to, uh, foods you're eating that just don't agree with you. For me, I would get a lot of skin issues with gluten, particularly they looked like bug bites, um, but they weren't poppable or in any sense, like very truly, they looked like a mosquito bite. And I would get them along my knees, my legs, my joints. And I never really struggled with acne until like I was like 
18, but it quickly went away with like medication, which, but acne often shows up in our teenage years. And it's obviously a thing that people struggle with in adulthood, but consider what's going on. Like when you're like hormones start to change and like you're in that middle school, high school time, it's like, it's so, it's an uncomfortable transition because you're like in the beginning stages of turning into this young adult. And then you're also like transitioning out of being a child, but you're still a child. And maybe if you grew up in a family where they still treated you like a child, and you didn't have like the freedom to explore who you were, it was just like this like confusing time. You weren't empowered. And so the acne in some way became the shield because again, it's that inflammatory protection mechanism. Facial acne, let's use that as an example because the face is what we put forward into the world. In some way, it's how people identify us and it becomes a part of our identity. Not And sometimes we get really focused on that is who I am, my face. It's our image to the external world. And so we try to protect ourselves from the outside world by subconsciously creating this extra layer that comes from skin issues, inflammatory responses. And it's this like partition between you and the outer world. And this goes for all skin issues in my experience. The other thing too, is that I think when I see someone with skin issues, whether it's dermatitis related or acne, I'm thinking like the body is so burdened by something toxic and heavy that it has to come out of us some way. And so I'm thinking the liver is especially connected to the skin, like anger, and that's also very prevalent with like acne, like the skin is angry. It's painful. It hurts. Like sometimes, um, any type of inflammatory skin reaction hurts and, uh, it's red like anger. And so there's often that connection to it. And, um, it's also, again, related to that identity of like, who am I that we often are trying to figure out when we're teenagers, when acne is very common, but even as adults, like no one gives us a manual or instruction on how to figure out who we are. And as someone who's been through this like journey and has asked myself this question where it's like, who am I without all these trauma responses I've created, all these coping mechanisms? Who am I without like people telling me who I am? Like, who am I really? And it's confusing. Like one thing I'll be totally upfront with is like, I think I really believe like I have this passion for helping people, but I'm more passionate about it in a group container. Like it lights me up to see women connecting. And so I have slowly but surely stepped away from the one-to-one container because there was parts of me that went after it from a trauma response. Like I was always the one holding space as a child. And so like shaking that from my identity of like, I'm not this private coach so much anymore as I am a teacher, a guide, an educator. Uh, Like I had an identity crisis a little bit there. So it can be so confusing to manage like, who am I? Like, am I this because someone's always told me I'm this or am I this because that's truly what I am and people can see it. 
if you are like kind of in that stage in life and maybe you're suffering with skin issues, I know I was when I was like really knee deep into that process. I encourage you to look up the episodes um, from last year. Was it last year? Yeah. I believe one was last year and one was in 2021 um, on the shadow with Adrian because um, we talk about this, about how shadow work essentially is in reorganization of the self. Like, is this me? Yeah, that's me. Nope, that's not me. Oh, okay, this part is me. So um, that would be a really helpful reference for those of you who are um, in that phase of your journey. And we come at, at that phase a lot of the times. Um, it's never just one point. Uh, the medicine for this, if you will, it lies in our uh, true self being accepted by ourselves. When we feel so rejected by the world because we're different or we're this, we have this story, really, we are just reflecting how we are rejecting ourselves or parts of ourselves. So this is all a process, right? We're always doing this like reorganization of who we are and trying to accept ourselves. But even just acknowledging that there is this conflict between you and your body, you and food, you and your truth um, can go a long way. And again, life will show this to you when you start opening up the like corners of your mind that have been shut down for a really long time. Um, and you are able to just like expose more of those underpinnings of like what's in the way, what's blocking you from your truth. Because it's a lot easier to like like digest this whole process by saying, okay, like I want to be more authentic. Like, uh, I don't even know what that means because I feel so inauthentic. Well, it can become a lot easier to kind of peel layer by layer and just think like, well, what does not feel good in my body or in my system? What's blocking me per se from authenticity? And you might realize like, oh, it's my job, or it could be that friendship, or it could be the fact that I don't move my body the way I want to. I'd rather do walking and Pilates and I'm doing all these cardio hit classes. I feel like I have to. So it's like removing those uh, little like shreds of energy that are in the form of relationship or uh, patterns that you have in your life. Okay, the last one that I'm going to leave us with that I see, um, well, actually, I have two, <laughs> um, is uh, menstrual disorders. So menstrual disorders are a protection mechanism um, and a clear manifestation of energy when women are struggling to let go. So letting go of beliefs a lot of the time that came from your family line. So when I see women with hormonal dysfunction in the form of disorders like PMDD, PCOS, endometriosis, or even just like horrible, imbalanced, painful periods. Um, there is a lot of trauma related specifically to the mother and sexuality and or trauma related to sex. And it could even be too that you're too in your masculine because maybe your father wasn't there to show you a balanced form of masculine energy. And so you're this independent woman and you can do it all. That's like a really extreme example of it, but it could just also be like, you don't have a lot of masculinity, so you're too passive in your life and your body is showing you this. 
And so this could be shown up physically as pain um, in the body. And this could just be painful periods or any of those hormonal conditions that I've mentioned. But it can also show up like cysts or fibroids and emotional disturbances that is very common when those imbalances get to more extreme measures. So a really good like way to like just even like peeling back this because it can be such a uh, a deep, maybe painful, not maybe it is painful, painful rabbit hole is to start considering the relationship you have with your mother and women in general. I had this big realization in my mid twenties is. I, who was, did not have a really strong relationship with my mother figures, and I had no relationship with my biological mother. I, all my girlfriends had the same disconnection from their uh, mothers. And so I, it's almost like I unconsciously chose women to be in like friendships with because it felt so scary and like foreign for me to like know a woman that had a healthy relationship with her mother. It was almost like it was too scary and threatening. Um, that that sense has shifted, um, but it revealed a lot about like how I feel comfortable and safe in relationship with women. Um, the other thing too is, did you inherit inherit negative understandings of your femininity? I gave that example of like, I'm an independent woman. I don't need no man. Uh, was very much like told that growing up. And so I became over masculine and guess what? I had horrible, painful periods. The other thing too is like your understanding of sex from your family. Like I didn't really have like a true talk about it, but like it was like this thing that was shameful and I had no religious upbringing, but it was just like, if you get pregnant at a teenager, you are going straight to the clinic. Like this is bad and you should be ashamed of yourself. So don't even be sexually active. And so I became this like wallflower, like completely afraid of sex in my teenage years. Um, so I inherited these like really negative beliefs, but what I didn't know was that, uh, my caretaker, my mother figure had sexual trauma. And so that's where her beliefs came from. And so did I, did you inherit those, inherit those at some point? Um, even about your period, I think too, like I didn't really, wasn't really educated about my period. And so I had this negative association that it was painful. It was, uh, gross. And again, it all had to do with like this, like relationship to the womb, the body, all the women in my family were disconnected from their mothers. And so it was just a painful thing to look at the womb and like being a woman, no one had that strong example. So how could they teach it to me? Okay. So I inherited those in some ways, but now I know better. And so the goal is one day to do better for my own offspring. Um, so examine those in your life. Menstruation overall is designed to be a flow. We call it the menstrual flow. And so it's this purification of the body. And when it's painful, causes you dis-ease or uh, disruption in your life, it's showing you like a literal report card of where you are holding on to blockages. And this is very much the practice that is uh, the ideology, if you will, that's used in Chinese medicine um, when it comes to menstruation. So uh, 
that the medicine and that is just examining and unraveling these patterns with women's sex, the womb. Um, and it might not look like your parents or your mother figures having menstrual disorders, or it could, it could show up in sexuality. It could show up the rejection of the daughters and your family line. And it might just be showing up in all physical ways now in your body. So that's menstrual disorders that I, um, that's a very common symptom I see in a lot of women. Okay, so now here's the last one. <laughs> um, a really big symptom is just like this difficulty with knowing how to feed yourself. So this can be an addiction to food, you know, or like emotional eating. Um, and it just could just be like just an unhealthy relationship with food, which could show up as like extreme dieting, not eating enough, um, and just being like completely fucking lost. I'm like, how do I even nourish myself? I'm and not knowing how to do it. So first off, food is a representation of nourishment and love. And we get this very early on. Like these are experiences you don't remember, but when you were first <laughs> out of the womb, like you bonded and connected and felt nourished and comforted by either a bottle fed, being fed to you or your mom breastfeeding. So you learned very quickly, like, okay, like I'm safe, I'm connected and through food. And what happens is diet culture <laughs> comes along and confuses us because women are often the target of diet culture and it's $77 billion industry. And it's been yeah, having women in a stronghold for decades. And there's peaks where it's really, really strong and it's disguised as health. And there's peaks where we look at it and we're just like, why the fuck did we think that was healthy? We learn, you know, social media has been a game changer in that and exposing it, but it's still out there. And so it comes in and it confuses us. Like now it's all about like fasting and you need to eat this over that and being the cleanest, most purest form of eating that you possibly could. And if you eat processed foods, oh, how dare you? <laughs> um, and so we just become even further disconnected. And like when it comes to emotional eating and just like, you know, you're eating things that just feel comforting, you are hungry for love though, for joy, for pleasure. And because you have this reference point, maybe at birth or even when you were younger, say mom left you at home alone after school and you just really wanted her attention and love, but it just showed up for you that like, Hey, mom has to work and I I'm lonely. So I'm just going to like raid the fridge and just eat my snacks in front of the TV because I have no other source of love and encouragement and joy. And so I'm going to try to feed myself and replicate that thing that I'm actually searching for. So I'm not really hungry for food. I'm hungry for these other things. And so this is how you avoided the pain that you couldn't get from your mom, dad, or whomever you lacked it from when this difficulty or separation from love began. And so food becomes this symbolic substitute and it creates dependence on something that's external, which is a resource. Everything outside of us is a resource and everything inside of us is the source. Human beings 
have access to everything they need within with the combination of the mind body soul like that trilogy of like all three of those things we are the source and so the medicine comes down to us realizing that you are that source and you already have it all within you and the media, the things you learned growing up, culture has told you and made you believe. And maybe you have strong instances where like food was there for you, but mom wasn't, or um, you got that comfort, that dopamine hit that you couldn't get from your family, um, but you house everything you could possibly need with them. So the rule of thumb I create for my clients when it comes to food, and this is one that I offer to you, is eat food that makes you feel good. Now, a lot of times, kind of like, well, burritos make me feel good. No, do they make you feel good two hours later, six hours later when you're laying in bed and trying to digest that? No. <laughs> so, food that actually makes you feel good feels good after you eat it. And think about how food nourishes you. Does it even, like, is the food you're eating right now, does it love you back as much as you love it? And if it, the answer is no, because you feel like crap, then you need to find the food that loves you back. And how do you actually feel nourished? Is it through eating food or is it like the experience of like sitting down, lighting a candle, playing jazz music while you eat? Like maybe you can access like the abundance of love and joy and those little things. And it's more about the experience around your food than the food itself. Or it could be both. Maybe it's you taking time to actually cook for yourself the way a parent would cook for a child, the very thing you desired. So when was the last time you did feel nourished? Was it via food? And remember, did it make you feel good after? Or was it when you did blank? That's how you can start to access because food is just the replacement of that. So we went all over the place in terms of symptoms, but I hope this was helpful. Now, if you are someone that is seeking more support with understanding and healing these symptoms using the energetics, the emotional aspects that we talked about, and including spiritual wisdom alongside science to work with the physical body and the emotional body, then you should highly, highly, well, I highly recommend, I should say, looking into my Body Genius 16-week group program. This is now the officially the only way that I work with individuals inside this container, and it's a four-month journey to help you heal and reverse gut, hormonal, and emotional health disturbances using gentle nutrition and detoxification protocols that um, include herbal re regimens and also practices that help you reconnect with your body so you can feel healthy. And we also use tools like hypnosis and breath work and somatic practices that include the inner child and reprogram the nervous system. So this is a truly holistic journey and you're alongside the journey of other women who are going through these same things. So you do not feel alone and you are held by me who has had this experience as well and also has the education of how to do this from all angles. 
So this journey begins in July and that's officially a month out and spots are filling up. We have two spots already secured and five spots remain. So if this is something that you're interested in, I will put the link in my show notes and you can um, join the waitlist and um, secure your spot that way. If you have any questions about today's episode, I'm always a DM away on Instagram. Follow me at eclectic.wellness, also linked in the show notes, and we can talk more. If there's anyone in your family or your life that's struggling with these symptoms and chronic illness, even send them this episode because it could save their life. And sending you love from here in San Diego. And thank you so much for tuning in. Bye.